0: Hi, this is Jim Lesser from BBDO San Francisco, and welcome to another episode of the Fog City Chronicles. Today's interview is part of a series called The Women Who Run BBDO. Female leadership is such an important topic in our industry right now, and at BBDO, I've been very lucky to work with uh, some of the most dynamic leaders in our industry who happen to be women who are running offices and groups of offices. And I thought that if we could uh, pull their collective knowledge together, it might help to inspire the uh, female leaders of tomorrow. Today's conversation is with my friend Valerie Ackery, who's the CEO of CLM BBDO in Paris. So let me just introduce Valerie to all of you. Obviously, you know she's the CEO of CLM BBDO in Paris. But Val- Valerie graduated from ESSEC, and she started her career at Saatchi & Saatchi in Paris. She joined CLM BBDO in 1996 as the managing director. And um, in, in uh, 2003, she spent a couple of years in London as the managing director of BBDO Europe in charge of the multinational clients, and then became CEO of BBDO Paris Paris. Um, or CLM BBDO in 2005. So it's been 12 years as CEO. She's also since then been on the BBDO Worldwide Board and has worked on a huge range of clients over the years, from Mercedes to all the Pepsi brands to all the Mars brands, uh, Wrigley, and um, at one time HP, which we're working on a lot these days as well. Um, and. Uh, Also, an interesting thing that we'd love to ask you more about, Valerie, is that um, CLM has developed an interesting specialty in luxury goods. And so they lead the Tag Heuer brand around the world and actually created a sort of separate agency brand called BBDO Beau, B-E-A-U, which is a hub for just luxury, fashion, and culture. And um, most. Maybe most amazing of all, um, in 2010, Valerie joined a very prestigious group of people, a short list of people in the world, that includes Toni Morrison and Carl Lagerfeld, when she was awarded the uh, very prestigious French Legion of Honor. So, Yes, amazing. So welcome, Valerie. Thank you. First question off the bat, what does one do to become a member of the Legion of Honor?
1: Um, so it's, you have to be, um, well, first it was, it was actually created by Napoleon, you know, I think everybody heard about Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who, who actually um, created the Légion d'honneur uh, to really, uh, for the people who made something which was special for the nation. So uh, of course there was a lot of military people, people from the army, you know, a lot of them, and uh, from politics and all that, but it really also uh, went broader and uh, i think that's my my work um i would say it was actually given to me for the work i did at the international level and also a lot of ong work at the international level so i've always been quite active you know in um, and open in the uh, different types of uh,
0: ngos and, uh, and action so that's that was a mix of things,
1: I would say, yeah.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations. It's
1: interesting to have because it's a recognition which gives you a duty to do more, you know? So uh, interestingly, in the last, you said it was in 2010, uh, it's been now seven years, I've, I've done quite a lot, and even there is a, a, um, a foundation related to religion d'honneur where you can become a, a godfather or godmother of young kids who have uh, who don't have a lot of money but have really good at school and how you can really partner with them until they find a job and so I have i'm have a good mother of a young lady who's just uh, started medicine studying and it's very she wasn't from my family now so it's, it's good
0: amazing um well take us uh, take us back to the beginning of your career I'm curious just to to um, start with how you got into advertising what you know, what initially attracted you to advertising and how you made the first step into the door?
1: I think at that time, you know, uh, advertising was uh, extremely, um, I would say a very fascinating word at that time. And I still think it is. I think it's it's now maybe more than ever with everything which has happened. But at that time, it was very fresh, very free, very, uh, uh, I would say, um, a world which which was a, a, a world uh, uh, coming from, the, you know, the world of marketing was quite amazing, these big companies, these advertising. And, and I was at ESSEC, which is a, a, a business school in France. We have a system which is called Grande Ecole, where you go and if you, it, which it's quite uh, elitist in a certain way. And, uh, and, and just to have, for example, uh, um, to be concerned, Uh, at such and sachi because i started as an intern you had i don't know maybe 100 people for one internship you know it was very 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 fashionable at that time and uh, so i i was i was more like in in clearly fascinated by brands i've always loved brands and marketing (sighs) and thinking and the strategy of of brand strategy and then there was this possibility to do an internship and i was hired as an intern at such but i was I was not totally sure that that would be my job for the future, but then I started this this internship, which was great because I had the possibility to with uh, people who all became CEO. You know, I was actually recruited for uh, a, an internship by two guys, the one lady and one guy, who became both CEO after. So very very strong people, and I think that's important. You know, uh, if I have one 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 uh, advice to give, the first advice is is start with smart and, and very good people is very important I think the, uh, we should be demanding with our bosses at the in particular at the beginning of our career because they are putting you in the right uh, right scale the you know, right uh, right demandingness.
0: that's great um, well w- we want to hear more about uh, about the you know what you've learned from great bosses in a second but I'm curious just um, coming off of that thought. What do you think, as you start your career? What do you do? You think are kind of the critical traits that people need these days to be successful in advertising?
1: Um, I think that I mean, for sure, I mean, this seems to be quite. Uh, uh, sorry, passion. Uh, the passion. Passion, passion is, is critical for me. I mean, uh, passion for the work, but also passion for the human beings. You know, passion for the people. Uh, uh, it is very important. I believe that uh, you are, because you are bringing the people with you if you are passionate, and and you get to higher standards if you are passionate, and you get uh, you get better clients if you are passionate. There is something around passion which is key. I also think that it's important to uh, to be able to bounce back, because we are. I mean we i remember always first time i lost a pitch when i was maybe 25 years old it took me like two months to recover huh. <laughs> I was, it was the end of the world yeah and, uh, and then you know it's really important that you feel you give so much and you are able to to give as much of energy passion and, and time and money and people and then you lose but well you know what you lose and then you go back to something else and you will fight again for the next one with the same passion and the same energy. And I think this, this quality is absolutely fundamental. It's, um, it's really uh, important to, to feel that it's absolutely fundamental and crucial to win this business. And then if you lose it, it doesn't matter, you go to something else. <laughs> right. So uh, it's a strange way of thinking, but I think it's important. If you're not like that, you suffer too much.
0: Right. So I'm curious how how as you're looking for those qualities in people, um, do you have any any favorite interview interview questions or any um, any techniques that you try to get at those qualities when you're when you're interviewing people to join the agency? Um, I think that
1: uh, when uh, when I uh, I talk with people, I, I I try to make them feel it's not an interview for Joe. You know, I try more to make them feel we are actually in a conversation where we share our uh, uh, thoughts around uh, our the business uh, what is advertising, what are the brands, which are what are the point of passion, what's the what what things are becoming today. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's the case for you, but when I see even the people who are working, the young people working at the agency, a lot of them are actually having a uh, not another job but a hobby, you know, they have all their small startup or they are all bloggers or their, I mean and I try more to 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 try to 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 have a conversation with them uh, uh, about their world, their thinking, their passions, their thing and, and of course try to relate it to our world and see if something can be built through that and, and feel what they have. Both in terms of open-minded, because for me being open-minded is very important, and also their interest, their passion to things, the ability also to do things, to make things happen. This mm. is really important. But maybe also one of the traits that we we know. I mean, more and more, uh, we there. I always say there are a lot of smart people, creative people, that. But those who are able to make things happen are actually also extremely important. And. Uh, because we need to close things, you know? So uh, so yes, so I, I, I'm I, I'm not doing interviews, I'm, I'm creating conversations. Mm,
0: I love that. And so in terms of when you say people's ability to make things happen, that could be anything that they're doing within their own personal passion.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's really, and I think that we are in a world of that, you know, I think more and more today, you see the people who are, uh, there are so many ideas, so many possible ideas, but they are really the, the ones who are able to, to bring something on the table and try to make something. Right. And even if it doesn't work, even if it's a failure, but something which, which is really a, a possibility, uh, you know, I think it's important, yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah, I, I, um, it's interesting as you interview more people over time, like anything else, you get better at it when, when you do it more. And, uh, and I find myself often going right to the bottom of the resume to the little line that says hobbies and asking about those yeah. things to your point there's often you can learn the most about a person by going there as opposed to their school or you know Absolutely. what they studied or something um, that's great I, I love uh, the ability to make things happen is a, is a great thing to look for um, so I'm curious when, when you kind of look back now on your career do you feel like are the are there any kind of key decisions that you made along the way that were massive pivots in where your career you know, ended up, that you ended up you know, with such a successful um, run and, and rising through the ranks? Are there key moments that you can look back on? Um, and I'm curious for both any, any that were you made the right decision, and also any where you made probably a decision that, in hindsight, wasn't the right one, but you learned something from it and that actually helped you grow into uh, into something new?
1: Um, I would say that first, first, I would say the, the most important one was to move to London during a couple of years was a real decision. Um, and, and I always say, you know, I, I did that uh, and I think it was extremely important for me, both professionally and personally, um, we we uh, I've always worked a lot in international business, as you know. I mean, I love uh, Andrew Robertson saying half global, half French. But it's, it's a way to say that I've always loved that, you know, this ability. When I was a kid, I lived in Africa and Asia. So I'm quite, I'm quite I mean, for me, it's easy to be abroad, and I love that. And so I, I was working in such and such in Paris and then BBDO Paris, and uh, I was thinking I was doing international very well. But the truth is that when i went to london I, I suddenly understood what it was to be abroad and what it was to actually working in another country and it had nothing to do and I, and this was absolutely uh, great because it made me uh, grow professionally because it was hard to understand uh, uh, how to, to to work in an international culture when you are based somewhere but also personally to to and i encourage young people to do that because um, and i always say if i was now 10 20 years you know um, younger uh, i think I, I would go to asia certainly and or and, and i would and the other part i would i would certainly also try to do uh, an experience in a media agency I and mean, i think today more than ever i think it's important to uh, to to leverage the first years To open, you know, and to try to to know more through uh, with different expertise, different views. I think it's different point of view. You know, uh, the points of view are different, and and uh, it's it's also helped me. Even for example, to work at BBDO Europe, it was a little bit more. uh, It was not a corporate because I was doing new business, but it was not really inside an agency as we know you know and it was also interesting to do that because then when i came back as a CEO of an agency i also had this point of view you know and i think that i was richer from from these different points of view so that certainly was very important and i can tell you that in the first after i think the third three four months i really hated being in london I I really was at a point, I was thinking, I, I, I don't like it, you know, I was coming back home on the weekend and saying, really, uh, I don't get it, I think it's too difficult, and all that, and I made the decision, I said, either you stay, but then you do it rightly, or you stop, and you come back. I said, what it is to make it well, and I said, okay, I need to have an apartment, because for the first one, I, I was still making, a, you know, a, uh, back and forth to Paris, and I was not really establishing myself, settling, you know, in London, so I got an apartment, I, and the second thing I did, which is quite fun, is that I at that time, uh, there was a, oh, what, sorry, I forgot his name, the CEO at that time. Michael Bock. Uh, so Michael Bock. Michael Bock, he was, you know, he, he was the CEO of a and he was seeing me like a French woman, having a job at, maybe the or Europe, with a little bit of uh, suspicion, you know. So I said, "Okay, if I want to succeed, I have to talk really to Michael." So I invited him for lunch. I said, and I actually I invited him for lunch, and I, I, I asked him for some support, personal support in making me successful. And the minute I asked him that, you know, he became, of course, my best supporter, and he helped me then uh, um, understand, open, uh, be much more included. I think it's it's something which I learned as well, which is that when you move to a new agency or a new country or a new something, it's always a bit difficult. Really, but you need to find one, two champions, people who actually will be your best partners in making new progress. The other one was Farah Ramza. She also, uh, quite after a few weeks, helped me you know, in getting used to it. So it was very important for me, because it helped me understand a lot of things. And I think um, uh, the second moment was when I came back to Paris uh, as a CEO. Um, and here, it's, I will start to talk a little bit about what it is to be a woman.
0: <laughs> you know, I
1: always say being a woman I, 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 I as a leader. I don't know if it's worldwide, but at least in France, uh, being a number two is very often the best place for women um you know it kind of so i think in france it's very true because we are in a we used to be in a monarchy you know we had the kings during so many years but it was a monarchy where you didn't have queens it was not like the queens were number two they were never the real boss you know and i think this our our culture is about that I was very very well when i was number two in paris you know i had a a CEO, and then I was a bit like the queen, you know, number two, very...
0: And you were managing very, you know. director then?
1: Yeah, and then I went to London, and there were much more more women who were at the top of the company. That I'm sure going through London healthy actually becomes CEO in France. So you see, it's kind of, uh, it was also interesting for that. But still, I was hesitating because I was a little bit afraid, afraid of the did I really want that, you know, or was it worth it? Was it going to be uh, and uh, there was this thing also in my mind, which was, um, um, if I was, I had, I was afraid of a failure. And I, I think it's, it's an important thing, which is that uh, uh, when they proposed me, of course they proposed me after three guys who didn't succeed now uh, in three
0: years
1: started to look at guys first but then they said okay why, why don't try her and then i said well it, i i thought it shouldn't be a problem if it, if i fail you know for me a big thing was that if i fail i fail it's not going to be the end of the world so i think it's a big advice as well i don't know if it's something about women or about uh, or people some people in general which is to when you are um, to to hesitate and uh, you know to get to the big job because you don't want to fail you you feel well at the end of the day I prefer to keep my in my stay in my comfort zone or being number two is perfect but really uh, if I fail what is it going to be a problem or not so I think that's a big advice for me
0: that's great that's great I um I love what you were talking about with when you, when you went to London and seeking out you know someone to to help you when you got there and, and getting someone else vested in your success. And in many ways, that's you know, what finding a mentor is all about. And yeah. you know, oftentimes, in a, in a lot of organizations, you have mentorship programs where you assign someone. And we've talked about that here, that we've, we've had them. And oftentimes, they don't work because there's not chemistry or, um, or for some other reason. But I think the idea that you actually go seek out a mentor and say, you're a person who I, I admire and want to help. I want you to help me succeed. Um, yeah. is, that's, I think that's incredible advice. Um, and I, I'm curious. To, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, 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 please.
0: I was just going to ask, when, when you talked about people like Michael Bach or people like Andrew, or any other, any other bosses or leaders that you looked up to in your career. Were there people who you, um, who you learned a lot from on what to do once you, you, know, once you developed your own leadership style and also people who you, who you said, okay, that's exactly how not to do it. You know, I learned, I learned from this person how not to do it and this, from this person how it's done really well.
1: Um, I, I don't know if I, I've been very conscious about that. I had my, yes, I think that uh, my, my ex-boss from Paris Christophe Lambert. Uh, and uh, it, it, I think I learned something from him which I've always liked, which was think big, <laughs> i.e., uh, not being, uh, once again, being audacious, I think was really what he was. And think big and try not to think that uh, this is too big for you or not possible. I think that's that for me has been extremely important. I mean, this ability to be audacious and not to think that. Uh, um, that's, why, that's, that's one of the reason I, I actually did so much global work, you know, because you do global work, being French, on American work, on American bronze, it's not obvious from the beginning, you know, but I, because of this idea, yeah, everything is possible, and uh, Sachi was also good for, for that for me, you know, even there, the line was nothing is impossible when I was at that time, you know, a long time ago, there it was a very good agency also, in terms of uh, uh, being audacious and, and try things and go there and all that you know so but that, that's certainly the, the case then you know I think the the, the big thing I learned about uh, people like uh, uh, Michael book or or has always been I remember to to put creative first and you know I think the creative part uh, that's why I'm, I I love the video that's why I mean I, I think I always say to people when I'm outside, I said I'm I'm on the board at BBDO, and what I love most about it is that we spend half of the board just watching ads. You know, it's just like David Lubars make make a selection, and we watch the ads of a of a network. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure at uh, in the other networks they don't do that. They just talk about numbers and about you know uh, business projects, but. We do, maybe not half of it, but at least, you know, 30% of it is about watching ads and talking about uh, the quality of the work and how we can do it better. And this is very, very common to, to everybody. Andrew, the first one, is the first one to, to preach for that. And this, uh, I think, is really important.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's uh, the, uh, the board meets what, four times a year?
1: Uh, no, twice. Twice. Twice here. It's twice now. It's
0: twice. Twice here. That's great. I, I didn't know that. Actually, that's a that's a great story to hear. That that uh, you spend that much time focusing on yes. the work around the network, and there's so much work um, from yeah. you know the hundreds of offices that uh, I'm sure I'm sure it, it takes a selection. long time. nice
1: David Delubac's selection, but it's. Uh, It's a selection, uh, but it's extremely important to watch that because you feel, you feel, and as you say, it's coming from everywhere in the world. It's not uh, work only from New York or... No, no, it's really work coming from everywhere.
0: Yeah. What was... I'm curious, from the last meeting or two that you can remember, what was your favourite piece of work from around the network? Uh,
1: From the last... uh, What did I see? Oh, yeah, it was, of course, but here I'm going to be... uh, it's going to be easy. It's uh, the one who get everything. Who got everything in can um, from uh, Clemanger, The you know the body. Of, yeah,
0: Graham. Uh, Graham. Graham.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Meet Graham. That's
1: Meat. one way. When we I, when I saw it, oh, you know, I felt, well, "What my God! What's that? Uh, this is absolutely fantastic!" And it's true but it uh, it won everything. It's so so audacious and so well well thought. And once again, brought to life. You know, it's it's uh, for me. I'm 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 really, really, really. Ad- I admire the ability to bring that type of idea to life.
0: Right. Yeah. The it, the simplicity of it, but then the the um, craft of the execution is amazing because yes. it was done in so yeah. many different channels. Yeah, it's beautifully done. Um, so uh, I'm curious if you could share a little bit about CLM with us. I actually don't know why CLM is named CLM after all these years. Was it three people's okay, names? So
1: CLM. Well, so this, So there is first of all there is the BBDO Paris group. You know that's why I said BBDO Paris is actually uh, covering both CLM and Proximity Paris because Proximity. I said one word, about Proximity. Proximity Paris is very big. It's one of the key proximity offices in the world. You know, I, it's one or number two or three, I think. And uh, which is it's very powerful in digital and in CRM. And we are quite linked actually, CLM and, and proximity. And that's why the group is actually quite important. And CLM is uh, the, the advertising, I would say, the brand creative agency, as we say now. And uh, CLM is the uh, it's a bit like AMV, you know, is the name uh, the initials of the people who created the agency in '74. So there were three guys who were very, very, very strong and very creative, and created that.
0: Great. And what um, what do you think? How would you describe the culture of the agency now? Is it uh, driven by BBDO mostly? Is it driven by what the heritage of st- CLM, the founders created, or something else?
1: I think the the, 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 I think it's it's both. I think the fact that we, first of all, it's 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 an agency which is a bit like, as I said, the half French, half global. It's always been quite open to international. That if you ask to somebody in uh, Paris, in another agency in Paris, what do you think about CLM? They will say. It's a it's an agency which is um, really an international agency based in Paris. You know, mm-hmm. we really positioned us like that because uh, maybe you don't know that all, but in France we have two major competitors. We have Publicis, which is as you know a big agency, but in France it's their native native country, so they have to be they are very strong and very entrenched with the politic politics and all of that. So it's quite difficult to. Uh, to fight when it comes to uh, pure French uh, big clients, you know, and there is a second one which is Havas. Havas is as well, you know, uh, very French, and so you have two two huge companies there who are very well established and knows everybody and all of that. So we we are the, are the Omnicom, and and then the third one, Omnicom, is quite strong, and. Uh, so we we uh, we really established ourselves as very creative and also open to international, open to the world. For example, uh, you take a client uh, like EDF, which is a French, you know, French electricity big client. I mean, no way they will go with an American company. So they work with Havas, but we won all the. Uh, all the campaigns, for example, for the Olympics they did in London. So, you know, no. we, we are uh, managing, uh, we are playing our strength. Our, our, and our strength is to be creative, to be agile, and to be quite open to the world, more than the French agencies. And then the second big thing is uh, digital, and it has been quite put at the core. So we are now seen really as a, as a very agile, agile in that, in that area.
0: That's great. Well, we love uh, we love working with your team. We have a lot of interaction on on uh, on the Mars brands and it's always it's always a great and experience.
1: We we act like international partners, not a pure French local agency. You know, we, we like to have a, we are French, but we like to have a, an international view.
0: Yeah, it's great, and um, it, it seems you know I've I've really only spent most of my time at BBDO, so I don't have a view across other networks. But the people I know in other networks, um, it's not always like that. I think that's one of the things that BBDO does well is connect connect offices, and and the network actually does operate as a network. Would you say that's that's your experience as well? I think,
1: uh, I think it's linked to the fact that uh, you know we are there is a lot of respect. Uh, for every agency, uh, there are a lot of networks where you have uh, just uh, a, a few good offices, and then the other ones are just uh, here to to, to uh, small agencies with no real power. Everything I think what I love about BPTO is that there is a lot of respect for every agency as long as it's creating work and, and and doing doing good business, you know, and it could be from anywhere. And, and this, I really think is very special.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so keeping on the work for just a second, I'm curious what in your career, what's the campaign that you're most proud of, that that you you were a part of?
1: Um, I think my time with working with Pepsi, Pepsi International has been fantastic for me. So just for the People around I've been in charge of Pepsi myself Pepsi, PepsiCo international and particularly Pepsi Brown Pepsi Max and all that for everywhere except US during uh, many many years and I I, I think you know there were not all the best campaigns some of them were great but the the, the ability to, to create work which was big work which were was was able to travel in the world I think was absolutely fantastic. So this uh, I really loved, you know. But then I also love the last one we are just creating for a French retailer. I love the one we are just creating for a French, you know, a, a, a electricity provider. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm still fascinating. I love the, the last campaigns and the next one I will do. But for sure, I think, yes, I think that's way. I, I think it has been the Pepsi is still my I still have Pepsi in my in my blood.
0: You must have um, worked over those years with our current HP client Antonio Lucio, right? he yeah. was at Pepsi. I love
1: Antonio. Antonio is uh, is my, uh, uh, my uh, one of my best friends. You know, I still I still uh, we still uh, exchange emails and all of that. So I don't work with him right now, but uh, he's, he's definitely a, a great friend.
0: Yeah, I figured. Um, uh, so, uh, I'm curious, just on uh, on kind of the, the, the flip side of the coin, the best experience being Pepsi, what, um, what was the, the toughest experience you've had, like a client crisis, something went wrong where you came out on the other side learning a lot from what seemed like uh, it could have been a disaster? Um, well, I think
1: one of the examples is, is more like uh, when, I, when I came back to London as a CEO here. I started, and, and honestly, there were, as I said, there has been uh, three CEOs in uh, in three years, so it was really, really devastating. And you had all the clients were on, you know, uh, were going to leave or unnoticed or were leaving, so it was quite a tough period. And there was one client who was seemed to be quite happy, which was Mercedes, and uh, it was a new client actually. It was won by the, one of the team who has been there for the last two years so um, and then when i arrived uh, okay i I asked for a meeting and uh, finally it was quite hard to have a meeting for me but i finally had the meeting after uh, a few weeks you know maybe two three weeks so i went there and there was the managing director and uh, the ceo and uh, when i arrived they said well you know what, we don't know you, so uh, we are going to make a pitch. So uh, we put you on notice. <laughs> so, you know, I had already like uh, four pitches at home. So <laughs> I think there is one which, which seemed to be stable, which is Mercedes. And they already, and, and I had a really a, a moment of panic. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how I, I had the, uh, the idea. I said, okay, but what is the notice period? And they said, uh, six months, the notice period was six months, so I said, okay, I understand, you don't know me, but I ask you one thing, which is, um, we are not to say anything, not to make it public, not to do anything during the first three months. So I ask you the first three months, just three months, to convince you uh, that I'm actually a good partner. And then if you are not convinced after the three months, then you open up a pitch and you open up. So actually, and, and, and I think the guys were also you know, in the car industry. I was a woman. Here, the fact that I was a woman was certainly one of the reasons it was a bit uh, difficult, because the the, the, the CEO was an old-style you know, French guy working with uh, car dealers. So it was a bit difficult for him to see me. And that he, he liked the fact that I was courageous and to and, and trying to find a solution, you know, which was not to say oh no I, I'm panicking, but not to find a way. And he said okay, fair enough, we do that. And after maybe two months, he called me and said, well that's fine, you uh, you have a business now. So you know, I think that was a good learning. Just to say when you have a bad news, just. Uh, not panicking and try to find a way to react. Uh, I had another another thing with Tagoyer where we made a huge mistake here in the agency. We uh, made a, a beautiful film and all of that and uh, the client uh, no, the agency uh, selected the music from a film to put on the on the film. And uh, when uh, okay, so the client paid for the music, uh, a lot of money. It was with Sony, Los Angeles, uh, a huge amount of money. So it was global and all that. And when when the final decision to but the final thing had, was going to be on air, they discovered that it was not the right music. We actually, <laughs> we actually, uh, I mean, the, the music that uh, we we sold to them, you know, was actually not the right one. So it was <laughs> our mistake, you know, a complete mistake. And by the way, the music they liked was much cheaper. So <laughs> here the, the big thing has been not to lie, not to say anything, tell the truth and find a good lawyer. <laughs> 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 uh, an expert in, uh, in uh, really the expert in, in rights, you know, and we made, I don't know how, discussion with Sony, discussion with Tagore, discussion with that. And the other day, it didn't cost us anything. And everything was fine, but it was really, it could have really cost the function. Wow. So I mean, it, I think the, the, what we can learn is, is is always to say, and I don't know who said that to me once, it, it, things are always better than what you think. But also, I mean, if you think things are great, there is always a problem somewhere. And on the other side, if you think things are terrible, there is always some light somewhere. You, know, you always have to find uh, what is the light.
0: That's a brilliant insight. I love that. OK, so what I, what I take away from that is the way you react to a bad situation can actually end up being, you can, you can take a bad situation and actually turn it into something that makes the relationship even better, like Mercedes. And um, find the light, not the dark. And most importantly, get a good lawyer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's great. And so uh, coming off of the story of the car dealers and Mercedes and this very, you know, I've worked in the car business a lot, and it is a a very uh, male-dominated world. So I'm just, uh, you know, considering the, the whole topic of female leadership and the importance of it today, um, you've been you've been so successful over the years. I wonder if you could just talk about your view of, of female leadership over time Has it changed? Is there a reason that uh, it's more important today than ever? Um, you know what have you seen from from your point of view? Um, first
1: first uh, as far as I'm concerned people ask me if uh, it has been a, an issue or something positive to be a woman I, And I say, It's it's been quite good for me, until I became a mum. I think for me the difference is not so much, um, you know, being a woman. I mean, it's really when uh, when I I I, I became a mum, the the image I gave was different. It's interesting. I mean, it's, uh, it's always a bit difficult to explain that, but. But as I was doing a lot of international business, I was traveling. I was in charge of things. I was, and I was never feeling that you know it was a problem. Yes, I could have a client like the Mercedes dealer, who was a bit you know machiste and, uh, but I was able to manage that, you know, and to find a way. And then he was thinking, well, she's actually courageous, and then he was loving me even more, you know. Internationally, it's quite hard to be French. But being a French woman is a good thing, you know? So I was able to manage also that when I was working on international business. I'm sure it was more difficult for men, but being a French woman is, honestly, quite a good uh, positioning. And then when I got to, because just to give the story to the crowd, I actually um, adopted a little girl um, seven years ago. and. Um, and and so and I, I was already CEO, so I, I in a certain way things have been have happened already, in terms of you know uh, getting up and all of that. And suddenly I, I saw I would say eighty percent, ninety percent of the reactions of things have been extremely positive, but there has been ten percent where I felt uh, some people were saying, well now she's a mum, she's not anymore. The one who's going to be able to do to uh, to to be uh, uh, such a leader, you know. So mm. so it's it's interesting to see that there are still moments like that. And and we we made a because we we launched Omni woman in France uh, like a few months ago, and we made a small research, you know, uh, with a, with a flamingo among the Omni Omnicom women here, and. Uh, it was also interesting to see that women when they start in the business where we really feeling completely equal to men at the beginning. And then it's after a few years when they start to either they get they get they become men or they think about becoming men or they there are things which are changing and it's around thirty years old, but they start to feel really is it completely worth it, or is it, am, I'm a, am I worth it completely? You know, and there are certainly a certain moment when things are changing a bit. So, so what I want to say here is that um, I think at the beginning of our careers, things are really equal, and then it may change. So why is there so many reactions right now? I think that it's because you know um, there is a, a feeling that... Uh, uh, things are not progressing enough or uh, uh, rapidly enough, but there are still uh, areas where it's not, and there we we should actually act and do something, you know, and help the women feel they can be confident and they can go. And on the other side, do that with men because we believe that it cannot be men or women on what different side. It should be a common a common project to have a diversity at the core of everything because i think that everybody agrees that things are better when uh, there is diversity in the thinking and when we have different points of view and all of that so i think that's the, the big point
0: that's great i'm i'm fascinated by what you said about the the 90% 10% when you became a mom what do you think that was was it was it about logistics you know where you couldn't stay as late you couldn't travel as easily or was it something was it something else in the way they, they looked at you?
1: I would say both. I think there is, there is a feeling of logistic. There is a feeling of logistic, but there is a cultural a cultural fault as well, which is that uh, there, is the, there is a cultural fault, which is that uh, uh, still, at least in my in my Latin culture, you know, you should always think that I'm living in France. Maybe it's a bit less in the U.S., but maybe not. By aware, maybe the same. But actually, when you become a man, you 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 have a role which is more important, and uh, which makes you less less free to do and to um, to 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 uh, to, to give uh, all this energy and passion I talked mm. about at the beginning of our conversation, you know. And um, and it, it starts to to uh, to make. Um, that's when you, you, if you really want to continue and go to the top, 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 you, you, you have to show it very strongly. You know, while actually before it was a bit less, less, less needed. I would mm. say.
0: That's, that's really interesting. Um, and you talked a little bit about, about, um, you know, c- uh, the words I would use are kind of finding your voice. But as you come up through, through the organization, whatever agency you're in, um do you have any advice for for male or female people as they're young in the industry and they're trying to learn and listen as much as they can but any tips for how to develop a voice of your own to to be confident enough to speak up and um and let your opinion be heard
1: Well I think first of all uh this is what makes a good advertiser is to be uh, to to have your voice uh, it's it's very interesting and it's even very young, very young, it's very true that, you know, people who have their voice very young, they are able to convince clients who are 20 years later, older than them. I've always been fascinated by that. It's more important to have your own voice than anything else in a certain way in this, in this company, to feel that the people. So, And that comes back to, my, to the way I'm actually interviewing people. When I say I'm actually... Creating conversation is because to see is to see if people have a voice, have a, their voice, their ability to create their voice, and have something which is very um, their own personality, their own character, their own way of, of doing and, and and doing things. I think that when I was uh, young, uh, I had different clients. I was working for Danone. I was working uh, also a bit for. PNG at that time for different clients, and I remember, uh, I think it was on PNG. They were they had this um, this uh, habit, which was to ask the youngest people uh, from the uh, from both the agency and the the, the brown side to present uh, the budget meeting to the most senior people in the company. So it was a yearly meeting. I'm uh, Where you had the, so the two youngest uh, really presenting together and, as, and answering questions to uh, the big CEOs of P&G Europe and all of that. So you, as you can imagine, we, we were not sleeping before <laughs> because we had to prepare. And they were giving us the questions just, uh, I think, the last the night before. And we had to prepare that. And we had to stay to... to, to to answer on top of that, and to present the answer in English, which once again, come back, don't forget, I'm French. So, and that, was absolutely fabulous, because it was really like a, a training for the worst, you know. After that, talking to, in any type of uh, meeting, there would be like uh, 3,000 people in English, I don't care, you know, because it's it was so stressful at that time. But it was <laughs> such a great habit. So, what I like is, uh, when you speak about young people, is give, give them the possibility to talk and to be part of things which are not necessarily their level, I think is important. Or of course, they have to deliver, they have to do their small job, you know, the job of an account executive, the job. Of, but be part of a meeting and ask their point of view in a meeting where there is a big boss. And you, what do you think? Yes, you will be uh, so stressed, but at the same time, it will be such a great uh, opportunity to express himself or herself, you know. And I think give, it's our responsibility to give a voice to the younger and to integrate them quite soon, because that's what I benefited from. I was, at the beginning, I was able to, I, I remember it was impossible to talk, for example, when we were in the, with the big creative guys in the room, it was forbidden when you were very young to, to express something. But suddenly, there would be the critic. I would say, OK, what do you think? You know, it was stressful, but it was, I was on the seat, but it was good. So I think that's very important.
0: That's great. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Um, OK, Valerie, we're going to take a pause. And I want to just see if anyone has questions, because we have about 10 minutes or so. Questions? No one has a question? Shannon.
1: Uh, I've loved your talk so far. Thank you so much. Um, I guess we talk a lot about, um, which I think is really important, giving advice to some of the young people in the agency and, you know, giving them a good start. Um, as somebody in like a mid-senior section of their career, uh, it has its own unique challenges, right? Because some of the choices that you can make are different. You're kind of trying to focus and, and find your, your place um you talked about some of the things that happened to you in the middle of your career what do you think um do you have any advice for people who are sort of in that place of trying to break through or um, you know make a real difference in the the middle um so uh, a few few ideas few ideas first what i did by going to london was certainly an answer to what you said. i was uh, as i was saying i was uh, uh i had a big job i was number two but i was honestly uh, you know getting a bit bored i had a a, a few offer maybe to, uh, i had an offer in a, one or two other agency but i didn't want to leave and all that so actually creating that i said i want to go abroad i want to have this experience i know it's the right time so um so i was quite uh and I knew that by going another way, doing something else, I was opening up a new door. And but without leaving the video, you know. So I actually made the decision myself to be initiative to propose that and to find a way to make it happen. And I think that was very smart because it made me come back in a different world and with more, back a stronger, uh, as I said, stronger bones, you know, to 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 do things and and with. A, with, uh, with uh, so so I think that's that's the thing which is to to find a, a way to to do different thing. it could be by going abroad or it could be by uh, finding a project I always think that uh, you know there are um, I give you an example um, I launched Women in France like uh, just because I, I, I last year I said well I would love to do something and then I, I had a lunch with a uh, a lady from London and she talked about that to me. And then I said, okay, why? And, and then I, I got the idea of making a research and then tried to make it work and all that. And suddenly it, it became real and it became tangible and uh, and suddenly uh, it made me meet with Janet Riccio, and then creating new contacts and new way of thinking. So it's not necessarily what I mean is that it's not necessarily just, okay, I need, the, I need the next job which is exactly the same as me or the, the next level. Could be just find ways of making your job more interesting or a bit different so that you recreate enthusiasm and passion, which will always lead to something better at the end. So what, you know, I think that's, that's what I would recommend in a certain way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
0: Any other questions? Any other questions? Okay. Well, I have a. Uh, oh, sorry, about
1: Sorry. As you can see, I'm not a big fan of leaving an agency. I've been only a and video, but I've always created my uh, my uh, yeah my passion inside. My my because I'm like everybody. After two years, I'm getting bored. Huh? So no, I need to. I need to find ways of recreating. Uh, uh, you know. Um, my own desire for what I do. So if and if I have to find an idea or or I I will I will do that, you know.
0: Yeah, finding a new challenge or a new project, something to dedicate yourself to, make it fresh and and.
1: And to be honest, uh, it's, it's also not coming very often from uh, from the top. You have to find it yourself. You know, I think, and if you wait for the others, for your boss, or to find it for you. You may
0: waste long <laughs> <laughs> Great advice
1: so, so you have to and, and it's also difficult to ask for the, for your first job, you know it's also difficult so at the end of the day, the only way is to create uh, to create opportunities actually and this is possible this is
0: possible: that's great um I'm curious one one last topic is um the city of paris is is I, you know, without a doubt, in my mind, the most, the most amazing city in the world. And San Francisco is a very close second for me. But um, I'm just curious how, how you feel the city of Paris affects the culture of the agency, if it does in any unique way. We try, we try really hard to pull the culture of San Francisco into the agency. And I'm curious if, if you feel that in Paris.
1: Mm. If it's difficult for me to say that. I'm not sure because the truth is that once again, you know, uh, we are. Um, you you have to remember with, this, with, they, with the fact that publicists and us mm-hmm.
0: are
1: very 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 strong here, and they are they are French, so they are Paris in a certain way. Right. It would more be the. Yes, we are of course in Paris. We would, uh, but we are more open to the world than really trying to be Parisian. Because being Parisian, by having French people, you, will, you are Parisian here. You know, people here are Parisian anyway. They go with, they go back to home, home in with the metro. They go and have brunch. You know, in the cafes. They have. Uh, the, our 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 life is Parisian, but but the truth it. We, we would be for international. We may play a little bit of French style, but not so much, actually. We are more like, um, I think we are more an international agency based in Paris. I think that would be more of style. We would be, for example, we love to have many, many different cultures here, to have you know people from, uh, from Australia, people from, we, we love this idea of being uh, in the diversity. I think it's more important for us.
0: Right, that's interesting. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I've heard that the, the someone drew the comparison for me that for an agency like Publicis, it's so different in France because they are a national um, yeah. company. So it's the equivalent of in the U.S. If you said I work at Ford, everyone knows what Ford is. Whereas yeah. an advertising agency here, only if you're in advertising does anyone know what it is. It's a.
1: It's a- it's exactly that. So it's not the same type of culture, you know. It's a culture of the big French company with a lot of, uh, they, they all go to clubs together, you know, they are very much in the in the establishment. It's very nationalistic in a certain way. And Havas is the same because you have Maurice Lévy, even if he's not, uh, now it's Harvard, but Maurice is still there, it's a culture. And on the other side you have uh, Boloré who's also uh, one of the big... Uh, industry captains in France, you know, so it's quite a strong, very heavy ways of French ways of doing business on top of
0: that. Right. That's great. Any, any other last questions from anyone? Okay. Well, I know it's right at um, 10 AM our time and late in the evening, your time. So, Valerie, thank you so much for spending an hour with us um, as part of this series and um, just getting your insights on leadership and how to have a successful career has been incredible.
1: I hope it was helpful, and uh, uh, and, uh, that you could hear me well. But uh, it was a pleasure. And do not hesitate to ask again. It was a pleasure to talk to
0: you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.